Good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day. It's good to see you all, especially those of you who are in here early. This is normally not me, so it's nice to see who all the early faces are. So good morning and welcome. We're going to begin by reading Psalm 8 this morning. So if you will just take a deep breath with me, release the crazy week you had, and breathe in a little bit of his peace this morning as we read through this. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Have you made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor? You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild and the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea that swim the path to the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to come before you and worship you in freedom this morning. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. Lord, I thank you that as we walk in here, we put our day behind us, we put our week behind us, we clear our minds and our hearts to fully focus on how majestic you are. So Lord, we just praise you this morning. Take us into that deep space with you, Lord, that we can be more connected and we leave here fulfilled. In Jesus' name, amen. As we enter into prayers of the people, um, it is Trinity Sunday. Um, we want to enter into this time mindful of the mystery of the Trinity. God is one and three. Um, Lord, we come before you as a church body, as a church family, partnering with churches around the globe this morning as we read Psalm 8 to start service, as we enter into Trinity Sunday together. Lord, we lift up the universal church, the corporate body of which we are a part, We're very familiar with the American church, but your church across the globe is dealing with very difficult, hard things. We lift them up. We pray your, they would sense your presence with them in whatever trial they're going through, whatever difficulty they're having, whatever persecution they're going through, Lord. Pray that they would sense your presence. Lord, we lift up our nation and all the authority we submit to. Lord, we pray for your wisdom. In our governmental bodies, legislative bodies, judicial bodies, executive bodies, law enforcement, planning commissions, Lord, we pray for your wisdom. as people seek affordable housing, as people seek their basic needs. We pray for your abundance in provision, your abundance in wisdom. Lord, we pray for the welfare of the world Lord, all across the globe, people are dealing with major upheaval. Hong Kong, Syria, 
Sudan, the Midwest of our own country, people displaced from homes, people seeking shelter. Lord, we know you are faithful. We know you are Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, I pray that that the people of the world would know that, would experience that in a tangible way this day, this week. Lord, we lift up our own local community of Smyrna, Cobb County, the Atlanta Metro. Lord, we pray for a transformation in our own lives, but we pray for a transformation in our community. Lord, show us where we can step in. Show us where we can partner with. Show us where we can bring down walls in your name, to your glory. Lord, we lift up those who are suffering and in trouble. Lord, in this room, in our circle of influence, in our circle of friends and family. We are all dealing with something, Lord, and I pray that we would all lay it at your feet. Trust you with it. Trust you to walk with us through it. Finally, Lord, we lift up the, those who are not with us any longer. Lord, it's Father's Day. Lord, we lift up those fathers who are no longer with us. Wherever we come to that, Lord, be with us. We remember those people. We lift those people up. We commend them to you. We thank you for the lessons learned. We thank you for the time we had. We thank you for the people they were. And we thank you for being with us through those relationships, good or bad. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God, who is often called Father, we are grateful today for those you have placed in our lives who have fathered us well. We recognize that for many, this is a painful day, a reminder of what has been lacking. Bring healing to those who lack the love of a father and those for whom fathering is still an unfulfilled desire. Will you expand the call of fatherhood in the church and redefine man, true manhood and fatherhood? That those who desire to reflect Father God's love would have the strength to do so. Will you set the lonely in families of selfless and willing fathers? And we pray a blessing today over fathers. Lord, bless the spiritual fathers of your global church, those who serve the body of Christ with love and humility. Instead of power, may they pursue gentleness. In place of honor, may they seek service. We bless the fathers of our affluent nation, we ask that you redeem the notion of fatherhood in our country and restore the vision of true fatherhood. May godly fathers leverage their gifted affluence and influence for the fatherless, the poor, and the marginalized. For the fathers who are among the poor and marginalized, will you provide them with a path to wholeness and healing and a strength and resources they need to flourish. We bless fathers around the world who may not experience the comfort and freedoms that we know. Fathers in war-torn countries, persecuted fathers, fathers sacrificing their lives for the safety of their families. Will you bring peace and comfort today? Have mercy and bring justice. We pray for the fathers in our lives who are experiencing suffering and loss, for fathers who are sick in body, mind, or soul. 
be father and mother to these, that they would not feel abandoned or alone. May they receive your comfort whereby they can comfort others. And on this Father's Day, we are grateful for those who have fathered us, both physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Give grace and peace where it is needed. Bless the fathers of River City Church to pursue the good life of the kingdom, that together we might experience your shalom. Good morning. Uh, my name is Kara. My husband and I um, do student ministry here. So if you're new, welcome. Um, so as Bill mentioned earlier today, um, today is Trinity Sunday. And so the first Sunday after Pentecost is always Trinity Sunday. And sometimes when you're looking at the liturgical um, calendar, there's like these like um, explanations of why we celebrate or how do we celebrate in the church history. And Trinity Sunday really is what it sounds. It's kind of self-explanatory. It is the honoring and the celebrating of the fact that there, we, we as professing Christians acknowledge that God is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so we are going to be reading scriptures that, that talk um, about the Trinity and talk about the relationships between God, the Father, to the Son, to the Spirit. But before we do that, I feel like it's important to acknowledge that we, as a church, Big C Church, especially nowadays, that probably a lot of us have experienced or maybe even been in situations where we have been harmed by people misusing a third, any third of the Trinity. They may have misused the name of God. They might have manip manipulated you by putting the name of the Holy Spirit on it. They may have, um, there may have been an element of disrespect or abuse and attached the name God to it. And so when we talk about the Trinity there's a good chance that in our minds, we might be triggered back to hurt or to pain in the church where somebody, a human, has disrespected or dishonored or misused some part of the name of God. And so when we talk about the Trinity and we're reading the scripture, I feel like the Lord is, is asking us, it is asking me to maybe widen and allow there to be space for him to expand what God the Father might mean to you, or maybe expand what the Holy Spirit is for you. Because I think, and I've grown up in the church, so I haven't been everywhere, but I think I've been to enough churches for, enough amount of, for a long enough amount of time, that in some ways we have, we have scaled down, we have reduced in some ways the Holy Spirit to the best parts of the Holy Spirit Maybe being the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit comes, miracles and tongues and the big flashy showy things, which are part of the gift of the Holy Spirit, but it is not the only purpose of the Holy Spirit. That is a part of. And so if you have been in an environment where that, the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit has been reduced to that, then we are missing, we're missing part of the gift of the Holy Spirit being with us. And if you have been in an environment, or if you're on this journey of asking questions or, or wrestling through who God is, we might use the word God, but in our minds, we're actually just talking about um, God the Father. And maybe you're looking through the Old Testament and you're wrestling through what do these things mean? Why does God, the God of the Old Testament, why does he allow this? Or what is the, how does this make sense? And so a lot of us land on the comforting, welcoming part of the Trinity, which for most of us is Jesus. And that's not a bad place to land. But if we negate or if we decide to discount who God the Father is, or if we decide to discount and not mess with the Holy Spirit, because that can get messy, then we are, then we are stepping into and making a decision that we are going to, to not experience the fullness of God. Because when we, as believers, say, profess as a Christian, we are then saying that, yes, Jesus came, died, and rose again, but he was sent as God with us. He was sent from his Father. So what I love about Jesus is also part of the nature of God the Father. 
And when Jesus left and he sent the Holy Spirit, he, is, he said that it's for our good that the Holy Spirit comes and that Holy Spirit is always communing with Jesus and God the Father. And so as we talk about the Trinity and we read in Scripture, I want to encourage and challenge us to maybe allow there to be more mystery to the Trinity than we have allowed there to be based off our experiences on earth. That maybe, maybe we can allow the character and nature of Jesus that we love, who seemed so welcoming, who became our Savior, maybe we allow him to be the person that says, I don't understand everything, or I haven't had a great uh, perspective of God the Father, but because of the Trinity, I can know that Jesus is attesting to the character and nature of God the Father. And so I'm going to present my questions knowing that I can trust this journey through Jesus to the heart of God. So if you can open your Bibles up to John 16. So there's an acknowledgement that the Trinity from man's eye is not logical, right? Like we can all agree with that. It's a hard thing to wrap our brains around. Three and one, like they're separate, but they're together and they're one and they've, they've always all been there. And, but we see them show up in different ways at different times. So there is an inherent mystery to the Trinity. There is also an inherent mystery to the gospel. I'm really thankful for that because if I could understand everything about the gospel and if I could understand everything about scripture, then it would just be like I'm talking to another human being and I do not need another human being's wisdom. I hear that often. I get it enough places. That would not get me anywhere. And so even though I'm one who typically prefers life to be black and white, right or wrong, um, the scripture is not that very often. It is not clear-cut, right, wrong, black, and white. There are moments and pockets where you're like, you get to exhale, you're like, yes, this is like so clear, I'm not supposed to be here. (laughs) I don't have to worry about that. But then there are these other times where I would, I can relate to how the disciples might have been feeling in this passage as Jesus is talking to them because he's talking to them about how he's going to be leaving and sending this helper, which, I mean, I don't know. Like, he hasn't been on the scene that long, and, and all things considered, and they've already had to adjust this idea that God of the Old Testament sent Jesus, and Jesus is God, and so that's already a transition. And then that person, not that long after really knowing him in this grand scheme of their things, is talking about sending this Holy Spirit. So I would imagine, oh, sorry. There's um, some mixed feelings about that. So we're going to start through uh, verse 4 and read through 15. Bill told me I wore the wrong shirt for this. Apparently he was right. As usual. (laughs) I can't see you. (laughs) Okay. So, but I have said these things to you that when their house, when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That is still a part, I'm pausing. That's still a thing that makes it really, that is really hard for me. Because I can remember 
on my spiritual journey several times where it's like, if I could just, if Jesus could just be here, then I wouldn't fill in the blank, question, doubt, be uncertain. If Jesus was just here, then all of my problems would go away. That was my, that was my thought process. And when I, read, when I read this passage, I remember reading these passages that said that it was for our good that he departed. I just, really? Like, are you sure? Because it feels a lot easier for him to be here. Um, because in our minds, the struggle that we have with faith gets answered if Jesus is in the room. It, it eliminates the hard part of faith because faith wouldn't be super required because <laughs> Jesus would be here. But he tells us it's for our benefit that he leaves. Verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world considering, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So there's this relationship in, in verses 12 through 15 that's clearly on display here. Jesus is saying that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's going to be for our good, but the Holy Spirit is essentially going to be constantly um, communicating and dwelling with Jesus who was sent from the Father, who is constantly in communion with the Father. And so there's this relationship that's being established. He's telling the disciples, you have reason to trust me because I'm from the Father, and I'm saying this is for your good, and this is, and it, this is another part of me. And I would imagine for them, that would have been really hard to believe. That there was this thing that was going to come when Jesus went away. And they're still going, I'm sorry, you're going away? Like, like that was a lot for them to have been have just had this casual conversation. And they felt, it says um, in verse 8, excuse me, in verse 6, that their hearts were filled with sorrow. And Jesus knew that because it says, nevertheless. So he saw the sorrow that filled their hearts, but he said, nevertheless, and goes on to explain. In verse 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Part of the responsibility of the spirit coming is to guide us into truth. The, the prophecies, the gifts of the spirit, the more controversial things that we attach to the Spirit. It's not that those, I'm not making a statement or even opinion about those. What I am saying is that the responsibility, the role of the Holy Spirit being present with us is to guide us into truth. And sometimes part of that is a manifestation, a physical showing of the presence of God. And that's beautiful when it happens in, in healthy, biblically sound ways. But it's tricky because sometimes we as humans, in an effort to better understand, I believe, or control what we can't actually control, which is the spirit, we misuse it. And sometimes it actually becomes a thing that we turn away from instead of embracing. 
because now the spirit is associated with wounding. When really it was the human misusing the spirit who inflicted the wounding. And so we look at the Trinity and we say, you have me with Jesus. He did really good things. He was, he was the advocate for the person that needed an advocate. He saw the broken. He was like the social justice of all so, so, social justice champions. And so we're on good terms with him. It's kind of harder to, to, to misuse the name of Jesus, but it, it just gets hairy for us as humans because we want to understand, we want to be able to explain the complexities of the Trinity and the complexities of the gospel and how the Spirit does or doesn't move. And sometimes we label things as the Spirit that's not really the Spirit, and as a result, we have people filling streets, churches, non-churches who have been wounded by that. And that breaks my heart because that means that the Holy Spirit has stopped being the thing that guides us into truth and is now the thing that is keeping us from conversing and dialoguing with Jesus, with God the Father. And so, and I, I have been on the receiving end of this. I had... I don't even know how many years ago. I probably should, but don't. Maybe five. I was in an accident with some type of ATV vehicle that was bigger than an ATV. I still don't even. A Polaris, if anybody knows what that is. I was thrown from it, and it landed on top of me, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Really in the middle of nowhere. Um... And the person that I was, I was driving, the person that I was riding, driving with, she went in like full panic mode, which is not helpful when she's the one that's free. Like she can move and I cannot because I'm stuck with this thing on top of me, still on. So it's burning me. And this thing is like two to 3,000 pounds. I work out, I cannot lift two to 3,000 pounds. Anyway, so it was a very, very, very traumatic experience. I should have died. I should still be dealing with ailments and complications from it, and I'm not, and I cannot explain that other than God. Anyway, so I was talking with somebody who in my life when I was younger had been in a position of wisdom and influence. And they met, wanted to meet with me. And we were having this conversation about how I was doing. I had not talked to them in years. And he was like, my wife and I were praying, and I just want to share a few things with you that we feel like this, the Holy Spirit revealed to us. I'm like four days post-accident. I cannot remember everything. My leg is still very burned, I'm crutches, the whole thing. Not in a state of mind to be receiving any type of anything, really. <laughs> was barely talking. And he begins to tell me that he felt like the Spirit of God had shown him and his wife and begins to lay out a slew of things, throwing around, throw, and I do feel like it was throwing around terms like, there's a curse of death on your life. And that there are patterns and sins from past generations that, are, that have led you to this moment. And asking me questions. And I was just dumbfounded. Because, and I was scared. And I was hurt. And then we were talking for maybe 15 minutes, which a lot got really jammed into that 15 minutes with no answers, no resolution, nothing encouraging. And then the end was, so if you want to know more about this, feel free to call me. I got to go teach something. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that is how our time is going? 
And so I left that conversation and what I would say the Spirit told me, God and I talked about this. I said, that, that there may have been truth in there, but what I can tell you is they did not use discernment. They did not pay attention to, match, to, to, to coupling discernment with wisdom. And so even if there was truth in what they said, it wasn't for now. And so I'm not going to receive this. And so if at any point, God, you want to bring back up to me anything that was said, I will listen. But I will not receive that he, because he threw the spirit of God on something, I'm not going to then succumb to the wounding that my heart really wanted to. Because it was somebody that had been on a pedestal in my life for years. They misused the name, the spirit. And I, for three years, would dream about and would think about if I could have that conversation with them and let them know the hurt and the damage. They, they are highly respected in lots of influential spheres. And at some point, I had to look to the character of Jesus and decide that because I know who Jesus is and the life that he lived, I can look at something that somebody just put the label of Holy Spirit on and go, that does not sound like the way that Jesus lived, who was reflecting the heart of the Father. So I am not going to just accept this as the Holy Spirit. It just, it wasn't going to work for me. But for three years, I still have wrestled with anger and resentment. And I had to come to a place finally of releasing that person of just going, they are human. And what they did was wrong. And if we ever can have a conversation where I am not full of myself, um, and then that's something the Lord wants to have, sure. But I'm not going to touch it. I have to let it go. Not much I can do about it because <laughs> I talk with my hands. Um, the flip side of that is, is, is God and how we often look at Scripture and we say God is over the Old Testament, Jesus is the gospel, and the Holy Spirit is the rest of the New Testament. That's how we split up often reading the Bible. And there are some things in the old law, under the old covenant, that most of us would say don't sit great with us, that we cannot explain. And so we say, that's God. Not really feeling that. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. I don't know why he didn't just like end things and the way that things were going here. So I'm just going to look at who Jesus was in the New Testament. But when we do that, we are forgetting that Jesus was God with us. He was the heart of God the Father put on this earth to fulfill what he has longed for all along, was to be with us. And when Jesus left and he said it's for our good, he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us in ways that Jesus could not be with us because Jesus was a man. And so if Jesus was a man in this room, that means he's not with Square Church right now. That means the Square Church, people at Square Church have a feeling of God is not with me. Anywhere that Jesus wasn't, he couldn't be because he was man. And so when he left and sent the Holy Spirit, what a gift it is for us because it means that Jesus can be with us and with them and with them. That is beautiful and a gift that I think we as Christians, the more we use that word, we forget the gift of that. And that the Holy Spirit on this journey, which he is guiding us, still revealing things that Jesus, about Jesus and God the Father, 
There's, that implies this journey and this process that he's inviting us into, this conversation that he's inviting us into. And when we get in a community, when we get in a church, it means that because I know the Holy Spirit is with us and that Shane is somebody who loves the Lord, it means that he gets to come along in my journey as I ask the questions and wrestle the things that I don't fully understand, and he can speak into me and encourage me and affirm me and that the Holy Spirit can work and be moving in him and aid in my journey. Because the Holy Spirit was sent and because Jesus left. So, so in a sense, Jesus is still with us. The Holy Spirit was not like plant, was not like the like step down. Like I'm leaving, but you get the Holy Spirit, so it's something. It was an equal trade. Jesus left to go be with the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit. And it's hard for us to accept because it feels unexplainable. Right? Like we talk to somebody who's not understanding of the Trinity, and we try and explain it to them, and they would probably look at you crazy. Probably how the disciples looked at Jesus when he was talking to them. Like, bro, what? Like, we're on a one-to-one. Like, we're friends. I can talk to you like this. Like, that doesn't make sense. That is kind of how people talk to us. (laughs) You don't make sense. (laughs) And you know what my response is? You're so right. The whole point of the gospel is that it is not written and curated by man. Thank goodness that I cannot explain and solve this equation for you. Thank goodness that all of scripture and our relationship with God is about journeying through the mystery of what we cannot explain. And praise God that he loved us so much to send Jesus and then follow Jesus up with the Holy Spirit who can then continue to reveal his heart for us. Praise God. You pull up Romans 5. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is another testament to the fact that it's all just a mystery. And we can ask our questions, but I would implore you to ask your questions and allow the Holy Spirit to be involved in the conversation. Because as we just read in John 16, it's an ongoing thing. And in Romans 5, there's this idea that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Again, not logical at all for any and all humans that have suffered. That doesn't make sense. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. The whole scripture is littered with things that should not make sense, but because it's the gospel, because it's Jesus, because it's the heart of God, we choose, and it is a choice, but we choose to land on the fact that it is still true. We don't have to love everything about the scripture. We don't even have to be able to understand it or explain it. We can be asking questions for the rest of our life, and I kind of hope that we all are. Because it says things like endurance produces, essentially it's saying suffering eventually produces hope. And that to anybody outside of the gospel should, that should not be true. There should be no rejoicing. 
Now, it's not saying that, like, you rejoice because you're like, sweet, like, I'm so excited that, like, my sisters had two miscarriages. Yes. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that because I know who Jesus is and because I know he is reflecting and he is God with us, the heart of God the Father, because I know the Holy Spirit is with us, I can say there is going to be more to this story than just that. Thus, I rejoice. Because if, it, if that wasn't true, if suffering just ended with the circumstance, then it will not and it would never produce something to fill us with hope or for us to be rejoicing in. For years, um, and I've told this story, so I'll go briefly, but at 37 weeks with my first son, found out, didn't have insurance, yada, yada, yada. We're still paying our bills because we were really in debt because um, I gave birth five days later. And, and then both of our sons have had insane, that's a strong word because there's a lot worse, um, very challenging first years health-wise. So we've just acquired all these bills over time. We're still paying for them. And I was worshiping three weeks ago, and I don't even remember what song it was, but I started to tell the Lord how thankful I was that I had experienced four years. Three years. How old is Ezra? Three. Good. Three years of uncertainty financially, because what it produced in me was a hope of knowing that we've made it this far. So the, the uncertainty feels familiar, but what also feels familiar is that God has shown up over and over and over and over again. And so it's produced a hope in me that when I'm talking to somebody else who is going through something that just kind of keeps coming or keeps coming up, what I can say is, but you've made it this far, and what I can attest to is that you're going to keep making it because God is going to keep showing up over and over and over again. And so for the first time in this, we've been, God and I have been dialoguing about this for a long time, three years, I was reminded of. And for the first time, the words, thank you, came out of my mouth. That is not logical. That should not be the case. But because of the mystery of the gospel, which in a sense is also the mystery of the Trinity, I get to stand here and say, thank you. Now, am I saying thank you that, my, that our son had a seizure? No. Am I saying thank you that we went to the hospital three times because our older one was having trouble breathing? No. What I'm saying thank you to is the fact that God has never not been near to me. That he has created this track record of perfection, which is encouraging me and spurs me on into believing him and trusting him more. That he will continue to do, to do the same. The spirit wants to guide us into truth. He wants to guide us into truth, and the way that we are able to know truth is by knowing God the Father in its fullness. It's God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. And it is through dialoguing with, with Jesus through the Spirit that he reveals the heart of God for us. And when you get in a community of people who are all on different journeys, and we all have different hurts and wounds and questions intentionally by people or unintentionally by people, and they don't even know it, like in my situation. I get to be reminded that when I look at the life of Jen Pinto, when I look at the life of Jen Pinto, she has experienced different and seen different parts of the character of God than I have. And so she, from a different position and a different place, can speak into my life and, and show me parts of God's nature and God's character that I haven't experienced or I haven't seen. And so I can still be on my own journey of wrestling and healing, but praise the Lord that somebody like Jen Pinto can look into my life and say, along this journey, let me remind you and show you what I have seen and known God to do. 
And so this space, when we do that to each other, becomes one of the safest places to be encouraged and affirmed and loved into a place of hope where we get to rejoice and suffering. We might be crying because this is hard, but we get to a place of going, I can also rejoice because I've looked at my brothers and sisters in Christ and I have seen God show up and I can look past and I've seen God be with me. So in this moment, I'm struggling, but I'm in a body of people who are saying, God is with you. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit is with you. And he is communing constantly with Jesus and with God the Father. And so God, the heart of God, is to be with you always. And when I start looking at people who have experiences different than mine in the church, who have have had maybe gone to a a much more, I don't know, maybe they've experienced a little bit more legalism than I have, or maybe they've experienced a little bit more um, of the charismatic flair than I have. As opposed to judgment, I am moved to compassion and I'm moved to honor because all of a sudden, maybe it's not just that we're different. I don't ever need to go to have experiences that they've experienced, but maybe there's actually things that they've experienced about God's character that he has revealed to them that God wants to show me. That space doesn't have to remain a gap that we back away from, but it's a space that can actually be closed because we want to learn from the other. It doesn't mean you have to take on their belief system. It doesn't mean that you have to take on all of their experiences, but it's an opportunity to learn from the other and say, maybe I can know more about God by getting to know this person because they're so different than me. And maybe the Holy Spirit has revealed something to them that I just haven't had the eyes to see or the experiences to see yet. Because the Holy Spirit is with them just like he's with me. And he is guiding them to truth just like he's guiding me to truth. And it is the same truth. And that is that God the Father sent Jesus to be God with us who died on the cross and rose again and then sent the Holy Spirit God the Father, through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, to be with you. And so we as a people and all of humanity have never been without God being in this place. So if you will stand, ministry teams, you can come up. There is something so, and I've used this word multiple times and I will continue to do so, there is something so mysterious about God. And there is something so majestic about him. There are things about him, a lot of things about him that we cannot fully comprehend and we cannot fully explain. And he's not asking us to. He's wanting to remind you above all else that he is with you. So regardless of where you fall in Romans 5, when it talks about this transition of from suffering and where you go from there, whether you're, he's building character or you're at the place of hope, he is with you. He sent his son because he hated any form of of distance so he wanted to be as near to you as he could be and so he eventually sent his spirit to be in us and so I'm just going to pray that something that is casually thrown around in the church this idea of God or this idea of Trinity that it would be um, made fresh that we would be encouraged and affirmed And that we would be reminded that God is with us today. So God, I I thank you that you met us in this space. 
And I can say that and I can confidently know that because I know that the Holy Spirit is living in the people in this room, which means I've met with you because you are in us. I thank you that there is complexities to the Trinity and to your very being that far surpass what my mind can comprehend. I ask that you would remind each of us that you are near to us. I thank you that we have scripture. I thank you that we have your word that we can go back and be reminded of your truth. I thank you that you are so complex that the spirit is still revealing and we cannot handle all that he has to say because you are that complex, but you're that good and that loving that we can't even handle it. And so for those that are suffering, I ask that you would remind them that they, that you are near to them, that you are in them, For those of us who are getting character developed or who's, who has perseverance that's being worked on, I pray that you would remind us that you are near to us. And for those of us who have walked and seen hope come from it all, may we wave that banner high of saying it is worth it. It is for our good that he is near in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the endurance being built, in the, in the midst of perseverance being worked on. It is worth it in the long haul to stick it out. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.